someone has to send me money just to speak with me. But once they've paid me, I usually engage in a conversation that involves with me asking their limits. What are your limits? What's too far? Sometimes people tell me their limits are bankruptcy, but some people do not have that limit. Once I'm in their computer, I can get right into their crypto wallet and send myself as much currency as I want. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lee Quinn, and you're listening to Sex, Drugs, and Bitcoin. Here today with tech-savvy dominatrix, Mistress Harley, who's been using Bitcoin since 2017. We're here to talk today about money and the sex industry. Thanks for joining us today, Harley. My pleasure. So can you start us off by telling us a little bit about your background? How long have you been working in the sex industry? Well, let me start with my background by saying that I actually worked in the high tech industry for almost a decade, starting in the year 2000. And then I moved into the tech sex industry around 2014. And I started translating my skills in high tech to high tech domination. And so that means what I do besides dominate people physically, like a traditional dominatrix that I'm sure you're very familiar with, it means I also dominate people's technology. So their cell phones, their computers, their bank accounts. If you're familiar with the concept or the fetish of financial domination, that's one of my specialty areas. And so as you can imagine, as these Venn diagrams of high tech, money and sex overlap with each other, right in the middle, you find crypto. Can you explain to me a little bit more what financial domination means specifically compared to other types of digital interactions? Absolutely. So the idea behind financial domination is that a submissive person gives money, currency, gifts, or objects of financial value to their dominant partner simply because it gives them pleasure to give those resources to their dominant partner. I, as the dominant, receive pleasure from getting money, gifts, and a variety of other things. I've gotten real estate from some of these people. It really is about dominating someone's entire life. And if you think about power exchange, there's almost nothing in our society more powerful than money. And so a lot of different other fetishes come into play with this idea. What's more humiliating than getting ripped off? What's more humiliating than giving your money to someone who doesn't even acknowledge your existence? So as you can see, there's a lot of dovetailing between financial domination, humiliation, service submission. There's a lot going on there. But most importantly, it ends up with me getting all of someone's money. So can you tell me how you use Bitcoin specifically with your clients compared to maybe other financial tools? Sure. There are so many ways to take control of somebody's finances. But if I see that they have a cryptocurrency form of payment or a crypto wallet, once I'm in their computer, and especially if they've saved all their passwords, I can get right into their crypto wallet and send myself as much currency as I want. And so that also works with bank accounts, PayPal, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I like crypto the best because of the anonymity, the instantaneousness of transfers. If you've ever had to do an international wire transfer from bank to bank, that can sometimes take days. But crypto takes about two minutes. 
So with traditional BDSM, you usually have a safe word. How do you establish safe boundaries with clients that still allow them to feel the adrenaline of the risk? Usually there's a negotiation process. Someone has to send me money just to speak with me. I don't answer DMs, emails, or anything unless somebody's paid me to do so. But once they've paid me, I usually engage in a conversation that involves with me asking their limits. What are your limits? What's too far? What would make this not fun for you? And sometimes people tell me their limits are bankruptcy. That's a very reasonable limit, but some people do not have that limit. So swirl that around in your head for a minute. And then I do allow a buyout. So typically if someone is under my control, we establish you're going to pay me $5,000 for our relationship to end, just like a divorce. Yeah, that makes sense. Do they specify what kinds of devices or wallets that they're comfortable with you having? Or is it anything that you can access with your skills? Pretty much anything I can access, although sometimes I do make my subs open new credit cards. Like if I want to shop at Nordstrom's and they don't have a Nordstrom's card, I tell them, get a Nordstrom's card, set up a Nordstrom's account, I'm going shopping. Or I can get them to set up cryptocurrency wallets for me so that I can invest in Bitcoin through them and, you know, create my wealth around a diversity of investments. So I like to use my subs the same way an investor might use their resources. You have to have a diversified portfolio. Definitely. In addition to this, do you ever sell content or is most of this experience driven? You don't have like clips online or anything? Oh, I absolutely sell content, mistressharley.com. I have a lot of clips, probably about 2,000 clips at this point. In my mind, it's all advertising that people pay for. So when you're buying one of my clips, what you get is me telling you, you should give me more money right now. (laughs) So the reason I ask that is I'm curious, how common is it for clients to want to use tools like Bitcoin as part of their experiences versus wanting to use it as a type of payment for a product for that content? Usually it's more about experience than about content, especially because these content platforms, like I'm on OnlyFans, I'm on every, I'm on Pornhub, I'm on every platform you've ever heard of. So I make sure that I make money in as many areas as possible. But so many people who are purchasing sex work content experiences are concerned about being tracked, having their information compromised. Because I'm a high-tech dominatrix, they're afraid that I'm going to find out their name, address, and then know everything about them. But ultimately, there are so many people around the world that don't even have access to those platforms. I have a lot of subs in the Middle East. I'm going to name some countries where porn is illegal, like Kuwait and Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And the easiest way for them to pay is using a cryptocurrency because they not only have to be concerned that I'm going to find out who they are, they have to be concerned that their government is going to find out who they are and what they're doing. So in a lot of these places where sexuality is suppressed through legal means, crypto allows those people to still find ways to enjoy their sexuality and enjoy the products that they want to purchase in relationship to that. That's fascinating. There's censorship resistance on so many levels in that transaction. Exactly. And not to mention on my side of things, each platform that you've ever heard of from Pornhub to OnlyFans, they take a huge cut of your money. 
So OnlyFans, they take 20%. Pornhub, I don't even know their percentage. I think it's 20 to 40%. So what I like best about crypto is there's no percentage off the top. There's usually a small transaction fee. But when you're comparing that to a percentage of the money you're supposed to receive, it's actually a lot better of a deal for me. Definitely. Have you seen any changes in demand or interest since the pandemic began? I know in the beginning with the lockdown, there was maybe a spike as everyone was staying home a little bit more. But now that we've kind of reached an equilibrium, have you noticed there's more demand for certain kinds of things or more kinds of clients from this particular place? Any change in the tendencies? That's so hard for me to quantify because I really have thousands of clients all over the world. And everyone is experiencing this pandemic a little bit differently when it comes to their income or whether they are still under shelter in place orders. But I've definitely noticed that spike at the beginning that everyone talked about has stayed pretty consistent for me. I've not had an income drop at all at this time. And especially when you consider that I don't even take off my clothes, I don't get naked for my customers that that's a pretty impressive statistic. (laughs) Do you think that's because more people are exploring financial domination these days and different kinds of kink content forms? Absolutely. You know, in the realms of intellectual and sexual freedom, the internet has given people a new format in which to explore these fantasies that they've only ever been able to have alone and by themselves before now. You may or may not know, I have a master's degree in information science, and so I strongly believe in intellectual and sexual freedom, that there are no thought crimes. There are, of course, actual crimes, (laughs) but just imagining something, fantasizing about something, wanting to explore something between consenting adults, there are no crimes that are really being committed there, in my opinion. And so I think, if anything, being trapped at home has really allowed people to look inside themselves and think about who are you? What do you actually want? What has always been a fantasy? And if you've always fantasized about power exchange and you're trapped at home, you can't get whipped by a dominatrix. You can't get tied up, but you can send a dominatrix $100, $1,000, $10,000 and just see how that feels. What do you think is important for Bitcoiners to know about the sex industry that maybe most people misunderstand? Well, that Bitcoin does not discriminate against legally operating people. And so there's even the government has been trying to pass a banking regulation reform to stop sex workers from having bank accounts. I don't know if you're familiar with the laws SESTA and FOSTA that got passed which is why you can't have Craigslist personals anymore and why Backpage has been shut down. But especially in the United States, censorship on the internet is starting to become more and more of an overreaching barrier to a lot of people. And so even Visa MasterCard discriminate against sex work by charging an extra $1,000 a year to merchants using Visa MasterCard for sex work. I am a merchant who uses Visa MasterCard for sex work, so I know. They also take a higher percentage of your sales, just like all the platforms I was talking about. So really think about femdom, pornography, sex work as an art. These people are all actually suppressing artists from being able to create the art that there's an economic demand for. 
But Bitcoin, because it is non-discriminatory, mostly anonymous, and allows for complete freedom of funds transfer, it means there's no one watching you, charging you extra money, taking a cut of your hard work, or suppressing your art when you use that as a payment platform. So it sounds like Bitcoin is already really useful for you at your, at your work and as part of your job. What do you think could make it more useful for more different kinds of sex workers? That could be either as a, a product or service. That could just be reducing the stigma that some people have in terms of paying sex workers. What do you think is the barrier between you finding this tool very, very useful and a lot of other people still struggling to use it? The barrier is still that you have to create these separate accounts. So you can't just use Bitcoin as a transaction through a credit card portal when you're making a purchase. Think about Amazon's checkout process where you enter your credit card information, you enter your billing information, you click buy, and then you buy. That's not actually available in an accessible way. When I want my clients to pay me with Bitcoin, I have to instruct them, go to this website, make a Bitcoin wallet, buy Bitcoin, send it to my Bitcoin wallet. And if you know anything about how many clicks people are willing to do on the internet, more than three clicks and you've lost half the people. So what I think would make it accessible is if there was a direct credit card to purchase Bitcoin, to send Bitcoin in a single payment form. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And what about people that already own Bitcoin? Do you think that there is a significant base that is looking to be more involved in the kink community or have those types of experiences or that still an extreme minority within those who already own Bitcoin? I think it's still a minority within the tech savvy group of people that own Bitcoin. Again, if we're just thinking about Venn diagrams, the overlap between the people who own Bitcoin and the people who are into extreme esoteric kinks is a little bit of overlap. But one of the reasons I think people are attracted to me and my brand as the tech dom is because I'm so far ahead in the technological game of domination. And people are just starting to catch up from the client side. And so one of the things I do on my Twitter, at TechDom, and on my website is I encourage people to explore these forms of cryptocurrency that are not discriminatory toward my art and that are also really a step forward in these kind of transactions and allow for more freedom, more anonymity, and more money. So wouldn't it be interesting if everyone who loved sex work actually started switching platforms until just recently... Pornhub used to pay models from PayPal, which I didn't understand because PayPal specifically has a terms of use against adult content. And now it seems that Pornhub no longer pays via PayPal. Maybe one of my previous interviews aired and someone from PayPal was like, yeah, why do we do that? I would love to see more platforms as well, like OnlyFans, Pornhub. I would love to see them switch to a Bitcoin basis, because then you could actually reduce the fees on the sex workers themselves. Definitely. Do you think there's anything else that would be interesting for the listeners to understand about BDSM, and in particular, the ways that we can use cryptocurrency and different kinds of technology in it? You've mentioned hacking and draining accounts, making people learn new things about how to use accounts or get money. I'm curious if you've thought at all about the DeFi buzz I mean, all the different kinds of trading and uh, yield farming games going on right now. And if there's anything else in, um, beyond payment transactions 
and uh, draining and different kinds of fear oriented role play. If there's anything in terms of like tasks or accomplishments that you also do using cryptocurrency. Absolutely. And I've experimented with using people's computers as drone machines to mine cryptocurrency for me. So back in 2015, I was setting up people's computers to mine Dogecoin. And obviously, that never became as big or as monetarily valuable as Bitcoin. But I was already experimenting with the idea of using slaves as slave machines to mine and farm Bitcoin for myself. And I think that there's something there. Obviously, Bitcoin is at a point where mining Bitcoin on your computer is certainly not the the returns we would typically ask for or want or as big as they were in the beginning. And so what I'm trying to do is pay attention to what currencies are up and coming, what currencies still have some opportunities in order to make people earn those currencies for me. Because being enslaved in a BDSM context also means that you're supposed to be providing something of value to your dominant. Now, if you were at my house, you might be cleaning my floors, so I don't have to pay a maid to clean my floors. And the same idea goes for digital tasks. So sometimes I might make my slaves write for me. I might make them take on small jobs for me. If I can get their computers set up to mine for me, I do that. And so I'm always looking for these ways to further enslave these people for my own profit. That's so fascinating. Is there anything else you think is important for us to know that I didn't ask you, particularly with regards to Bitcoin and BDSM and the different kinds of artistic expressions that you've been exploring, particularly this year? I think people have talked a lot about how Bitcoin is such a great resource for people who are working outside the law, but people don't often talk about how it's a great resource for people working inside the law who still face discrimination on a governmental level, a banking level, a monetary level. And I want to see artists move toward using Bitcoin. And I'm not sure how Banksy gets paid when someone pulls down a wall that he painted and sells that for money. But considering his or her, I hope, identity is so closely guarded, it only makes sense to work with something like Bitcoin. And so if artists start moving in this direction, think about the subversive art that's actually being censored and suppressed that could be created if artists were able to maintain their own anonymity. Definitely. And just to clarify, I know that there's nothing illegal about making porn and about making erotic content. There's also no limitations that I know of when it comes to FinDom. Are there things that, as long as there's consenting adults and everyone is very clear, often in writing, um, about what the expectations are, are there any limitations or do you only experience discrimination because of stigma and not necessarily because of legal restrictions? Well, remember, legal restrictions are different everywhere. And I happen to be in Los Angeles, California, which is a great place to be a pornographer. But uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have so many clients in parts of the world where even pornography is illegal. And the Internet has made a global market and Bitcoin has facilitated that global market in the form of a global currency. And so there are so many bridges that get 
crossed and gaps that get narrowed when we start talking about crypto because the limitations are not there. Limitations from local laws, international laws, different banking systems. If you've ever tried to get an international bank transfer from a European bank to an American bank account, if it's over a certain amount of money, they want you to explain why. And those banks do not like to hear, this person just wanted to give me their house. So there is discrimination in terms of the vanilla world doesn't understand that these are legitimate transactions. And there's so much fraud in the world that a lot of these things get flagged for fraud. Someone tens, sends me $10,000 through Visa MasterCard. They hold that for six months to make sure it's not fraud. So I have to wait six months to get the money that this person wanted to send me consensually in writing. But with Bitcoin, there are no overlords checking to make sure that you're spending your money appropriately. And I want to think about it like that. And I would like the listeners to think about it like that as well, is that when you're using your regular banking system and credit cards, there are about 10 people watching you, watching what you spend your money on, algorithms waiting to flag your spending uh, in case it feels inappropriate. But with Bitcoin, there's no one watching the watchers, so to speak. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for joining us today, Harley. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lee. Once again, I'm Lee Quinn, the host of Sex, Drugs, and Bitcoin. And I'll look forward to the next podcast where we'll be exploring relationships between sex workers and Bitcoiners and Bitcoiners who are sex workers as well. Take care, everybody.